This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round. And get fired in with our exclusive discount code. Head to the bar and quote ABZ Pod for a £3 pint of Fosters, a £4 pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Dake. That's any day of the week including match days and if you're with the little ones and are looking for a spot of pre or post match lunch remember under 18s are welcome in the bar with an adult so make a day of it at Siberia come on you Reds Hello and welcome along to episode 158 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and I'm joined by two chaps fresh off four days back in Cornwall. It's Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how are you? <laughs> um, I am in moments time about to make a statement about Mike Kennedy that I never expected I have to make in a recorded public forum. So I am extremely... Uh, emotionally and mentally discombobulated thank you very much excellent and graham how are you thoroughly fed up lovely stuff on this week's show another defeat to pour over as the dawn season continues to fall away from us we'll check in with the young team and our loanies and loan watch before we look forward to another doubleheader week this week in the cinch as st johnston visit pataudry midweek prior to a trip to take on the paisley saints on Saturday. But first, Kilmarnock to Aberdeen now, Saturday 24th of February 2024 at Rugby Park in the Cinch. One change in the starting 11 for the Dons as Leighton Clarkson dropped out for Dante Povara. Jimmy McGarry making his way back into the bench as well in place of Ryan Duncan. And let's yes. be honest, there's little to really talk about here in this one as once again, Aberdeen completely overpowered, outfought and outthought by this Kamarnock side who finally got the goal that their first half efforts deserved as Ndaba headed home in the fourth minute of injury time before Matty Kennedy slotted home in the second half to make it 2-0 after a host of errors in the Dons' defence. Dons failing to muster really any sort of chance of note at all in this one. Killy seeing out comfortably. Couldn't should have had at least one more goal for their efforts as well. Killy now with just one defeat. Since early December, having taken five off of us so far this season, off of us so far this season with no reply, they'll be very much licking their lips, I imagine, as well. The prospect of facing this Aberdeen side with a trip to Hamden, awaiting the winner in a couple of weeks' time uh, for us. Well, results elsewhere. I mean, we're currently now five points off the relegation playoff spots, languishing five points as well off the final top six space, and that result does leave. Us a massive 13 points behind Kilmarnock, who have pretty much tightened up their grip on fourth spot as well, I think, with that win. On the data front, possession 52% to the home side, 48% for Aberdeen. Shots 20 to 10, which seems way too many from an Aberdeen perspective. Shots on target 9 to 1, expected goals 1.93 to 0.48 in favour of the home side. <clears throat> Gents, once again, where, where do you start with this one? Gav, do you want to start us off with what it is you have to say about Matty Kennedy? <laughs> Never did I think I'd be in a position on this show 
given the start to the season we had, the season we had to look forward to and the money that we spent, would I be saying, we'd be better off with Matty Kennedy in our team right now than than some of these jokers. Um, you know, you think of Ordaria, you know, coming in, providing zero competition. Um, you know, Devlin has had to play right wing back all season or full back. Um, Shaden Morris, Matty Kennedy's a better player than him. Uh, we're all talking about moving forward. But, and I think I agreed with letting Kennedy go and letting Watkins go, but it's just a damning indictment on the state of things at Aberdeen that I'm here thinking to myself, Matty Kennedy would be an upgrade on a number of players we have right now. Yeah, an interesting one. I, I wasn't at the game on Saturday. I don't either of you two were either, but um, I did notice that Matty Kennedy appeared to be trying to, you know, noise up the Aberdeen fans after he scored. I'm not entirely sure if he was getting a bit of stick. I don't think he was, which did seem a little bit of a kind of weird thing just to decide to go off and do but um yeah i don't remember him getting anything at Pataudry if he played at Pataudry. i can't really remember that far back enough but um yeah. yeah he's not really ever been singled out i think he's been pretty much a player that we always realized gave a lot gave us gave us all but maybe just wasn't quite good enough uh for the shirt in theory but uh, as it turns out he's plenty good enough when you think of uh, the jokers like shade and morris who are still in the books um hey i mean i guess he's someone who maybe thinks he could have contributed to Aberdeen and was tossed aside and maybe just have a little bit of a point to prove. But yeah, it did seem a, a bit of a strange one. Graham, once again, just completely outfought and bullied by this Kamarnik side, which on one hand is almost like the most worrying thing about all of this. Yes. Next section. <laughs> uh, I totally agree. I think everyone would expect the absolute minimum is that, you know, your your team would be able to compete from that sort of work rate and desire. And then obviously if they're, you know, if they're technically superior or inferior, that's how the game might end up ultimately going. But as an absolute base minimum, you you'd expect them to compete. And I know what you mean, we just look really soft. Um, and I'm sure we'll come to the goals, but it's just a good example there of I don't know, it just seems to be a combination of people not doing their jobs and then not being strong enough, even sometimes when they are in the right position. Uh, it's, it's just, I think what's more frustrating and worrying is that it's not a surprise. Yeah. Jensen and Gartman had an absolutely torrid time oh. again, this time from Vassell and Watkins. And that's a huge worry, especially when it comes to Watkins, because I don't think he's a particularly physical player. I mean, we, we certainly never saw that side when we would actually bully teams. But I mean, the way that those two... Just, I mean, I can imagine that Jensen and Gartman have woken up this morning just like rocking backwards and forwards and tears about it. Um, that's like a real concern again, isn't it? Just how easy and how soft-centered we are. Um, and it doesn't take a lot there. This isn't sparkling, sexy, ticky-tacky football that Kamarik are playing here. They're literally just relying on two boys up top who are noising you up and getting away with it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, what's really... I thought this season with all the excitement... And the money spent, and at the time the players bought that we would have enough to deal with those types of games because we would be able, you know, we'd be strong enough, but we'd have the quality as well. And we just don't seem to have either at the moment. So I know it's not like um, there have been some games where you, you know, you just kind of get blown away and you think, well, they're, you know, the opposition just, I, I had a great game or they're, or they're better than us, and that's just the way it goes. But that wasn't one of those occasions. They're just, you know, in a way, it's maybe what people thought of us back in the day. Uh, we were just, you know, good at what we did. And that's kind of what Kamarnik 
demonstrated that um, if you can get a group of players who've obviously got something about them, but ultimately work hard and know what is is, is expected of them, you know that will get you reasonably far in this league, it would appear. And then clearly the next step is how do you actually push on from there by bringing in the quality. Um, so yeah, it's just really, really disappointing. I don't think Kilmarnock are, like you say, it's not like they were running rings around us from a footballing point of view. They were just much... Just wanted it more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, just a clearer idea of what they were trying to accomplish in terms of a, a team effort and a shape. Yeah, I mean, what I should, what I'm about to say should not be mistaken uh, to be a let's bring back the good old days. Uh, and I was very much tongue in cheek when I made my comment about Derek McInnes in the stands uh, against Motherwell and whether this would be his audition to come back to Aberdeen. But I mean, it's no secret to me, uh, no surprise to me that what's happened here is Kilmarnock have a better manager than Aberdeen have appointed in our last four goes at it. And what he's done is made Kilmarnock difficult to beat, uh, difficult to score against, solid shape. And he plays to the strengths of the guys he's got on attack. And it's a very novel concept if you're an Aberdeen fan, but it will produce results in the Scottish Premiership. They'll do better against, you know, more sturdy, resilient defenders. But I've commented for that the partnership of Gartenman and Jensen worries me when you're talking about players with a bit of pace or a bit of physicality. And Vassell's got that. Guys, right, Watkins isn't the most physical of players, but he does get about. He gives 100% and he'll make things difficult if given the chance. So, and I, yeah, so I'm not in the least bit surprised that these two were not able to, to stand up to that. And it's another another piece of evidence for me to indicate why I don't think these two should be at the club long term. Uh, the goals we concede, both of them, laughably bad once again. It feels like we're saying this every week at this moment in time. Um, the first goal is just a straightforward set piece. We've looked shaky from set pieces all season long. Um, and Daba gets the run off of, I think it's Miofsky. He takes the run off of. Miofsky doesn't do well enough at all with it, presumably still thinking about being on the beach in Tenerife, maybe. And then the second goal is just a calamity of errors all over the shop once again. It's uh, what Gartman's doing when he falls over. I don't know what Jensen's doing. At any point in that move, I've no idea. Nicky Devlin is is all out of place as well with it. It's just an absolute horror show. The first goal, I mean, yeah, there was plenty of warning signs in the first half. You know, we have the one where McGrath clears it off the line. Um, we've commented for weeks now about how frail we are at, at set pieces. It's only gotten worse the more and more rooted to his line Keldus has gotten. Um, for the goal itself, I'm pretty sure Keldus is actually like half his body is behind the goal line and he's rooted statuesque to his near post. So have he's given himself any chance of uh, making a save? I don't know. I don't think he would have saved it regardless, but still um, the goalkeeping sense there is uh, confusing to me. And yeah, I think that the, the second goal, I mean, I think I count 10 Aberdeen players in the frame when Kennedy receives the ball, including the goalkeeper. And it's like primary school football where we're just any red shirts just chasing the ball and no one has the uh no one thinks it would be a, a good idea to maybe mark the other Kilmarnock attacker in our penalty area easy finish for Matty Kennedy and then proceeds to give it the old Mark Kerr treatment to the to the traveling Don support the the suffering traveling Don support the poor bastards yeah yeah nothing but again I think this is what Graham just mentioned absolutely no surprise to me 
we we talked a lot last week about how our kind of collective lack of faith about Warnock was, you know, I think between the three of us, there's that question mark over over the three of us around, you know, whether Warnock was actually going to be the answer to this. And last week we weren't seeing enough signs of positive change underneath him just in the short time he'd been here either. And we highlighted obviously the fact that our defence had got worse under him. Um, and, you know, I think that that attracted maybe some people thinking we were be, being a bit too negative about it, especially you, Gav, because how can you take a man with a hairband seriously? Um, but, that is a valid point, by the way. Yeah, is, I've, got, I've got no argument against that, yeah. Well, it's fair enough. But um, on that note, AB24 Alice bands in store now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but, like, again, just touching back with the Warnock piece, because I think it's quite, it's kind of interesting to look at again now. I mean, there was obviously all of the, or, or it's kind of come around again after the result of the weekend about, you know, the fact that Warnock wasn't here for a number of days last week. Loads of people online seem to be very, very surprised about the fact that he went back home for a bit of time last week. And no one should be shocked about this because it was pretty well narrated when he signed at Aberdeen that he'd had that sort of gig when he was at Rotherham at Huddersfield, that, you know, where he would, unless either of those teams were playing on a, a midweek, he would effectively take the team at the weekend, go back home and wouldn't return back again until probably Thursday, Friday. He seems to take the view or has taken the view, I think, that he's not a training ground you know, manager any longer. Um, he leaves that to the coaches to deal with. He's not the kind of guy that's going to sit and watch, you know, reams and reams of footage of the, the opponent you're about to come up against or any of that type of stuff. He kind of clearly feels that his role is to come back in Thursday, Friday, armor in the shoulders, try and G them up a little bit about that. But, um, and, and people out there can have your views about whether you think that's acceptable or not for him to be doing that, given he's meant to be here for, you know, four months nominally. Um, realistically and this is probably the biggest issue here with the whole thing is that warnock or whoever it was that was going to come in was going to be landed with exactly the same problem which is they have the same squad of players to deal with which is horrendously imbalanced it's got little in the way of options to mix things up and it's a group of guys who warnock has probably quite correctly pointed out are maybe just a bit too nice and don't have any edge about them yeah although i would point out that warnock's tone has changed quite dramatically in a very short space of time because when he's talking about either prior to or after the Rangers game, he's talking about how this is his kind of group of players and in his post-match on Kilmarnock he's saying it's not his his type of uh, his nicest type of group and I think when you start throwing individuals under the bus then that's a, a one-way ticket to the dressing room turning, um, you know, to single out Boyan Miofsky for his work at the corner and then say that he just had a bad game. I mean, I think of all the guys in our team to single yeah. out Boyan Miofsky is probably not the one that I would choose to do. So if you were to even choose to single out anyone, which I don't think tends to go well in management uh, at any level. Um, I think the bigger issue for me, I, I'm conflicted on this whole thing about Warnock effectively taking the Aberdeen job part-time. Because in some ways, I think to myself, you know what? If he's managed to work out that deal, fucking good on you, Neil. Because you know what? Football clubs, generally speaking, have the power and they will dispose of managers and coaches when they see fit with really no uh, consideration what happens to them. But then I think to myself, if Neil Warnock's the kind of guy whose whole mantra is built around hard work and everyone being all in, what message is being said when that guy who's espousing that view then pisses off for over half the week uh, to just leave you know the players and the coaches to to deal with whatever they have to deal with. And we're in the shit right now. And Neil Warnock said himself prior to Kilmarnock that no one would be putting money on us 
to beat Kilmarnock, it was perfectly foreseeable that Ross County would get the win over Livingston. And then now we're here talking about a five-point gap to the relegation playoffs. And if there's any Aberdeen player in there, that dressing room, and you'll need one or two, given how small our squad is, who think to themselves, you know what, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. And if the manager can't be arsed, and through that message, the board itself can't be arsed, then fuck it. I'll just, you know, get my agent to start sniffing around some clubs and see if anyone wants to take me away in the summer and we'll see it out, that term, see it out. And with how nonchalant the board are about this whole thing, all I see is the perfect recipe for us to sleepwalk into a relegation playoff. Graham, do you have anything to add to that? Gav was told last week he was too depressing, but um, he's maybe taking it to a completely different level now. He's not wrong, though. No, I, I, uh, I wasn't, I didn't understand the appointment at the time. Um, the records will show Graham was the was immediately opposed to it. Yes, but it's just, yeah. this isn't about being right or wrong. I, I get enough of being right when it comes to comparing my opinions to Gary. But <laughs> I, I didn't think it was going to work. As in, I thought we would. I didn't think we would really turn around the results, but I didn't think it'd be this bad. But this isn't really about being sort of right or wrong. It's more. I thought there would have been a change in probably the defensive side. Like obviously, he stuck with the players, but I did think he would find a way. He's got no option. <laughs> but, but I thought he would find a way to make us yeah. a bit more resilient and that the football would probably be a bit... wouldn't be particularly exciting, but we'd probably be picking up more points, whether that's just by grinding out draws here and there or being pretty stuffy and sneaking a 1-0. Uh, it's been more laughable than I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> and not in a good if, way. Not in a good way. No, yeah. not in a good way. But the thing is, like, what gets me is if it is true that he's not here that often whilst he it may be perfectly true that if he was here all the time he's maybe not in and around the the pitch you know the sort of the training day to day because that's maybe not his thing anymore all right fine but ultimately you're in to do a short-term job if you can't be bothered sort of giving that your all for a few months it's just a to me it's just another it's just another piece of evidence it's just a woeful appointment to be honest because even if you're not into the training every day surely you want to be seeing what's going on you want to be hearing you know what are people thinking what's the dressing room like or, you, or even just be available to take someone in like for example yesterday fine you want to call out the players that might prove to be a shrewd move or it might prove to be stupid but then if you're not around you know what was if someone wants like their right to reply you know it's like okay we'll have a chat on monday morning um, I spend a bit more time on the comments and just like you maybe should that's be what he does. available. Maybe say, oh, come and see my Monday morning. <laughs> then they come along the way. <laughs> I just I think it's uh, I think it's poor and I think it's negligent to be perfectly honest um, that he would choose to do that and that he would be allowed to do that. If indeed this is all true. The bigger issue for me is 100% the negligence. And that's a word we've used a lot in the last two and a half years of doing this show. And even going back further, reflecting on times prior to us uh, taking the old microphones on. But this can't be a surprise to the board. He must have said, you know, when he took he take the job, that he's going to be here for some of the time and he'll be away for the rest of the time. Uh, oh, he's the very fact yeah. that our board, unless, and unless he's not said that and then he's decided to do it himself, well, that's, you know, terrible state of affairs either way you look at it. 
the very fact that the board have decided this is appropriate for the Aberdeen manager to be doing it on a part-time basis, that is negligence on a whole other level. Borderline scandalous. And what they've done is, is, is given us, it's put us in this situation where results haven't improved. And like I say, we are now staring. Like five points is not a big gap. And we are definitely not uh, too big or too good to go down, especially this group of players, which every time I see them, I just lose a little bit more faith in them. Um, we were all talking for a while, but it sounded like almost by Robson was the was the biggest problem holding this group of players back. And when I look at them now, bad goalkeeper, bottom six fullbacks, two poor centre-backs, let's be honest, midfielders who've all got qualities, individual qualities, but are all more or less the same kind of player. And then you've got an outstanding striker up front, you know, getting called out for his defending and his, his like supporting strikers, you know, not really delivering. And and then we've got some wingers who are null and void because we don't use wingers. Um, but who are also not very good. Who are also just not very good either. That's probably fair to say. Uh, and this was all, these these are not, it was no secret. These were the problems within our squad. And I'll use the word negligence again. Our board saw it all in January and thought, didn't need to do anything about it. I still go back to the fact that I still think there are good players in this team in, in places. I still think there are good players in the squad. I just, we just don't have a good team. Like you can't fit all these guys into a team that's cohesive and works. That's the massive problem here. We're seeing as well, I think we're seeing a big regression in Gartman and Jensen in recent weeks. It looked like they were maybe starting to come on to think like at Ibrox, they both played quite well, for example. And I thought, here we go, maybe, maybe this is the, the thing we thought Warnock will get the best out of them. Because I think we've seen flashes from Jensen at times through the course of the season where you go, I think there's a, a decent defender in there. Same with Gartman. You know, I still actually think we're missing Rubzic an awful lot at this moment in time. And I know that people will have their views about that, but correlation not necessarily causation but we've gone to rat shit defensively since he's been out of the team i mean i'll hammer this point home again the only time we've kept a clean sheet in the league is when angus mcdonald's been on the pitch and he's an option there he's available and yet we never play him and if someone could explain that to me i'm all yours i think there might be something possibly underlying the mcdonald thing which we're not hearing about properly um i would be interested in if he's maybe managing some sort of injury or something he's nursing something because Otherwise, it's kind of unfathomable that two managers have now looked at him and gone, no. Well, with a chairman and a chief executive that place so much importance on transparency, I'm sure there can't be anything wrong with them other than the managers don't, just don't fancy him. Well, yeah, indeed. Um, here's the interesting part as well, though, because Gav, I think you, you you talked about this, so I think you tweeted this out yesterday. Cormac and Cole probably thought by bringing in Warnick that that was going to allow them to at least get themselves to the end of the season. Like, we'd maybe scrape top six, you know? And if we scraped into the top six, that would maybe be viewed as being kind of acceptable for given how shit things have been <clears throat> prior to Barry leaving. And if you got yourself at the top six, you might just finish fifth, for example, which might get you into kind of preliminary round for one of the European competitions again. And all things being said, that would be not bad considering how, again, shit things had been. Um, and, and they were probably just about trying to get away with it more than anything. But as you touched on it, Gav, I think Warnock is possibly somehow, and I don't think this is what was meant to have happened, but somehow is actually putting more of a spotlight on Dave Cormack and Stephen Gunn and everything, as it turns out. 
Well, I mean, I think bringing a, a character, a personality like Neil Warnock into Scotland was always going to draw eyeballs to it from people out with Aberdeen. And the very fact, I think we all expected that we'd get some kind of reaction you know, immediately, especially when you look at the two home games with Motherwell and Hibs. We'd be looking, maybe trying to get two wins from there and suddenly, you know, the league table looks a little bit healthier. Uh, but the fact that, like you say, the defence has gotten worse. Um, Boyan's now not scored in three games. Uh, the best striker Neil Warnock's ever worked with uh, now doesn't score goals and can't mark corners apparently. And just and then when you obviously social media, the way it works, and it becomes common knowledge that Neil Warnock is doing the job on a part-time basis. It's just, it's lamentable. It's it's contemptuous from the board is almost how it feels. It feels like we're getting to the point now where Dave Cormack is playing a game of football manager and has taken over Aberdeen because he hates them. And it's just doing everything he can to get us relegated into the championship. Uh, either the, the problems were there for everyone to see. If they felt it was appropriate to bring in a manager, let's be honest, a lot of people think it's just for a jolly. It's to take off a bucket list off Neil Warnock's, you know, um, well, respective bucket list. And, uh, and, and we didn't address the playing squad. So it's it, it, one of three things has happened here. Either their head is so buried in the sand they can't see what's in front of them. <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, actually, no, two things. Or they just don't know what a good football team looks like. <laughs> it could be one of the either, really. But it doesn't really matter. All I know is that we're... <laughs> if Ross County had not decided to go down the self-destruct route of the 82-day Derek Adams experience, things would be even worse right now. And it's all it's all on them. Before we move on on quickly, or before we continue this bit, but just a massive shout out to whoever it was that did put took the time, the effort to put the put together the <laughs> choose your own adventure Derek Adams managerial simulator online this week. Just a, an absolute classic piece of uh, of banter, if nothing else. Igram, uh, it was excellent. I spent far too much time <laughs> on that. So yes, um, I would give the credit if I could remember. <laughs> but if you haven't seen it, I go and have a look at it. It's absolutely, uh, it's absolutely excellent. Somebody who's been, you know, that's somebody's been put on gardening leave, isn't it, from a job, and they're just like, fuck it. If it said someone could do an Aberdeen themed version, uh, I would consider part of cash for that. <laughs> yeah, I would say that if you want to capitalize on your place in the market now, get yourself a Neil Warnock simulator going, or maybe just a Dave Cormack simulator. Uh, that's the one I would probably prefer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Stephen Gunn um, simulator. What does Dave know, want just, me to do? What does Dave want me just, to do today? Just photocopying and sorting the hotels out, I imagine. Um, but yeah, Graham, if if Davey thought that this appointment was going to be the one that just took the heat off for a little bit and you know maybe focused attention elsewhere, it's not really working, is it? Because more and more people are actually now starting to realise people have got their views about Warnock, one way or another, and and that's absolutely fine. And people have got their views about what he's saying in the media and whether he's throwing people under the bus and all that kind of stuff. But all that this is actually doing now is highlighting the fact that the squad is so fucked up. It doesn't matter who you brought in at this moment in time. Chances were that things weren't going to improve that dramatically. And the people that need to carry the can for that are ultimately Cormac and Cole once again. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, anyone who thought that appointing Warnock might allow the rest of them to fly under the radar is a total lunatic because the circus that comes with him yeah. means that whether he was going well or whether he was going badly, there was going to be a whole load of publicity and people who wouldn't normally care or be aware of what's going on 
being well aware of what's going on. So it absolutely draws attention where you would not want attention to be drawn. But all of this boils down to, you're right, whether it's, you know, Robson was getting the most out of the, the team or whether he was involved in the recruitment that's left us all sort of lopsided, et cetera, et cetera. All, like in any organisation, it goes all the way to the top because they're the ones that ultimately, if they don't make certain decisions, they're the ones that have allowed certain decisions to be made. So you can't be the top dog and then not be accountable. So it's just yet again, it does go all the way to the top. And yet again, it's pretty evident that they don't know what they're doing. I feel like, yeah, the model we have now, especially the last three years, it makes it difficult. We we keep on talking about how we have this model. I'm not convinced it actually exists anymore. I'm not convinced it exists either, but they've not told us it doesn't, so I'm going to operate on the basis that it is still in place. I think they pretend Um, it is, but I don't think it actually functions in the way that it's expected to. That's that's fucking plain as day. Developed a sense of sympathy for Bayer Robson um, somehow. Where so back in the day, now. under Derek McInnes and Jimmy Calder, for example, we knew that they were calling the shots. Like the players they brought in, it's because McInnes wanted him or Jimmy wanted him. Nowadays, like how much say does Barry Robson actually get in recruitment? If he says he wants a left oh, side and centre back, well, not no, no, <laughs> fair point. Unless it's something we don't know. Uh, but if he says he wants a left side centre back, and they come back and say, well, you know what, Richard Jensen's the best option we've got. And he's he's not got the time now to be able to say, well, actually, I want to go and look at this person instead. Likewise for Gartman or any number of the examples of the signs we brought in in, in the summer, you're kind of left hung out to dry in a way. I mean, as I understand it, the way it should work is basically manager sits and goes, I need X. And then director of football and head of recruitment go away and go, right, let's go and look and see who we can find. And then if they don't have a viable candidate coming through the the, the academy then they'll go to the market, then they come back with like a number of options and they'll present them to the, the manager. Uh, and how they rank the options before they put them in the manager, I don't know. And then the manager will make a call say, yeah, okay, th- that one. And they'll be tasked to go and to make that happen. So there's an element of involvement, but not, it's not like your old school manager going along to watch games and all that kind of stuff. You know, it'll be a lot of it be done on video yeah. analysis. and everything. I don't doubt the fact that Robson, I don't doubt the fact that Robson is to blame to an extent for the imbalance in the squad because he was so wedded to the 3-5-2. So I, I've got no doubt that we formulated an entire recruitment strategy in the summer around playing 3-5-2 and, and that was all we were going to do. But that's at the same time with that, where I would expect somebody with a bit of nouse in the director of football seat to be sitting going, okay, Barry, <clears throat> I see exactly what you're trying to do and we'll, we'll try to you know make that work as best as we possibly can to fit the system, the style you want, despite the fact that system of style goes completely against the style that we say we're working with in our philosophy, but never mind, we'll put that to one side for just now. But they should also be still sitting there going, I but just think if you have a couple of injuries here or a bit of suspensions here, or if this doesn't quite work out, like you're, you're kind of leaving yourself very constrained at this time, Barry. Do you think maybe you should maybe think about maybe signing a winger or two instead of another centre half or instead of another centre midfielder. That's And I don't feel that the, our director of football has the authority to do that within the football club. No. And I think just, yeah, the, the point I was just trying to make there is like, yeah, like if once upon a time Jimmy Caldwell spends 100k on Tommy Wright, you can say, well, what the fuck, Jimmy? And likewise, if Derek McKenna spends 400k on Stevie May and gives him a four-year contract, you can say, what the fuck, Derek? But nowadays, you just don't really quite know who's calling the shots. So the only person that you can really level everything against is the chairman, and rightfully so. 
think this is what frustrates me probably the most is that Graham just wants to have one person to look at. I don't actually enjoy sitting here every week because you're actually, you're, you know, we're all <laughs> I do I. I don't know why we do it. Criticizing <laughs> actually, individuals. Can we, can we just call it a day, lads, actually, on that note. Well, I was going to say, I don't enjoy every week, you know, we're criticizing individuals. And in some cases, it may turn out that it is those people that have had a say or a bigger say in these decisions. So they should be taking the heat. And in other times, you know, we'll be moaning at people who have not really had that much to do with it, but you think they have because that's how we think things work. Ultimately, when when nobody at the club talks to anyone, and I don't mean Twitter, I don't think that's the forum, when nobody actually does a, a sort of Q&A or a scripted Q&A to an extent through Red TV or on the website or whatever, when basically there's nothing from the people that run the club, it leads to this speculation and unfair criticism of some people and possibly justified criticism of others, but nobody's there to then actually put their hands up and say, yeah, you're absolutely right. Here's what we said we were going to do. Here's what we've ended up doing, et cetera, et cetera. So you're just basically stuck in this endless loop of moaning about everyone. But it can't be the case that everyone is incompetent. But what it is absolutely well, factual to look is that, that the, man at the, the man at the top is accountable for all the decisions that are made. Yeah, that That is just a fact. It's the same in any organisation. So ultimately, it is up to him to either make the right decisions or if he has people below and he's letting them make the decisions he needs to have the right people in the right positions so like you know the, the Robson was a good example you know you look at it now and you think well okay but obviously I think we all knew at the time there were other problems there but we were of the opinion that someone would get a better tune out of those players but there's a good example that you mentioned that so does he was he allowed to build a squad in that manner in which case the people above him have failed or did he get told, you know, who you're getting and when you're getting them? And it was all a bit scattergun, in which case he's not really had the opportunity uh, to do the job properly. But again, we're mourning about them all. And you don't actually know because no one, despite certain individuals at the club having made a big deal about fan engagement, etc., nobody comes out and actually explains how the club runs, not what it's supposed to do, because I'm not really interested in that, how it actually functions. Yeah, which is which is the interesting part, isn't it? It's about it's what you're actually reality. doing, not what you say you're going to do. The two yeah. are not always. In fact, for most companies, are not the same. What they say they do, and what they want to do, are not what they actually do. And that's where I feel personally, you find yourself, and it's a really odd relationship being yeah. a football fan because you just get, you know, you're just treated as a chump and taken for a ride, and there's very little you can do about it. Because if you bought a car and it was a bag of bolts and fell apart. You know, you might be able to get your money back, or you wouldn't buy one again, would you? You'd just go elsewhere. But you're stuck in this endless loop of it's utter shite, and nobody's interested in engaging with you because they don't have to. It's a wonderful metaphor to describe the transfer of Habib McGee. <laughs> it really is. <sighs> but it's interesting because Graham, you and I, we attended the sponsors dinner on Tuesday night, and like, I didn't get a particular vibe off of like senior people who were there in the room that they felt the season had been a, a bit of a disaster. No, I was a little bit embarrassed with some of the comments yeah likewise i just thought it was a bit and it goes back to what i talked about a few weeks ago about is the aberdeen job or jobs within the aberdeen um within our club a bit too cushy sometimes like you know i don't know maybe that's there's maybe i mean the, the purpose of that event was not to get in about what's happened no, of course not but, but the quote-unquote successes that they were celebrating weren't really successes in my humble opinion no and again your cheerleaders for transparency and engagement 
have fucked off over the last couple of months. Indeed, and it goes back to the point as well about Robson, for example. That, <clears throat> and we, we, I mean, Christ, we spoke about it so much today. But where I'm sitting right now is, they might as well just left the guy in situ, like genuinely, because because we left it so long, despite the fact the writing was on the wall about Robson for so long as well. Because they left it so long, and once again, for what the second, third season in a row, our January transfer window is a complete failure because of the fact that fourth season in a row, our, our January transfer window is a complete failure because there's clearly no genuine belief at board level about the longevity of the guy in the manager's hot seat at that time to actually go and try and sort shit out. That whenever they finally do pull the trigger, and every time they have pulled the trigger, it, it, just slightly after or slightly before the transfer window closes, the guy that comes in afterwards is on a hide into nothing anyway. And this is not me defending Warnock. It could have been anybody we took in an interim position and they'd have had to deal with this. And I'm like, you might as well, you genuinely might as well have left Robson in charge at this moment in time because nothing so far has changed as far as I can see. We, we play with a little bit more width, but <clears throat> that's been about it. And defensively, we're fucking worse than we we were under Robson anyway. I mean, ultimately now that's a run of games. Motherwell and Hibs at home, you know, Hibs are honking this season. So it's, I, I know people would sit and look at Hibs as a tricky game. We should have taken a win against Hibs the other week. But that's a run of games. Motherwell Hibs come on it now, where we picked up a miserly two points from nine. You know, if we continue on that sort of run, we'll pick up four or five more points before the split, which will take us to 31, 32 points. I mean, that's the same number that United relegated on last season. And when you look at the form, we are the most out-of-form team in the league. We've got no wins in our last five. Even Ross County, Olivia and St. Johnston have managed to scrape a win in their last five. I mean, Gav, you touched on it. Oh, we, we really, I mean, I know some people are still looking and going, get a win on Wednesday and we're right back in it to get in the top six. Uh, we really need to be careful sleepwalking our way into a relegation playoff here. I think Livia are done. I think Livia are toast after that at the weekend. But all I can think of is that Hibs team a few years ago under Terry Butcher that just continually everybody thought they were fine, they'd be all right, they'd be okay. And then before you knew it, Hamilton were pumping them at Easter Road and they were down. I think of an even more recent example of United getting themselves seemingly out of danger last season, just taking their foot off the gas. And before they knew it, they were automatically down as well. Yeah, but that was funny. It was funny. It was funny then. It won't be so funny this time. <laughs> yeah. The Jim Goodwin redemption arc. We've been talking all this time about Boyan Miofsky's transfer fee filling the gap left by uh, by you. <laughs> no, I'm not sure it's going sure to be quite uh, be enough to plug the hole left by playing you know at Somerset Park all season. Why would we be playing at Somerset Park all season? Not all season. Twice Is that another one of those mad rumours that we can only get into Europe if we play at a <laughs> compliant stadium? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh, just, yeah. Tragic. Utterly tragic the way the season has panned out, and uh, if the if these people that you mentioned are celebrating quote unquote successes at the sponsors' dinner, I would love to have known what exactly those successes. Did they bring out a spreadsheet and showed us our form against Hearts at home? Uh, no, because that would have been a pie more chart. valid. A pie chart, home versus Hearts, completely dead. See, it's not that bad. Shut the fuck up. Uh, no, like, we got to a cut final, so that was good. Um... Couple of good performances in Europe. Um, I, I've also just, I've, I've got a little thing. I was this, it. Is, this has kind of come up um, a few times on um, on X. The whole um, we got into the group stage of European football this season as if it's an achievement. Uh, we lost our way into group stage football in Europe. That's true. If a previous manager had had another competition to fall into, I think we probably would have played 
group stage people under him. So, um, yeah, stop it. <laughs> but it is, it is a worry, Graham, isn't it? Like, the form we're on at the moment is, like, heading in one direction. And um, you're just name-dropping your favourite band there. I am, I am. Thanks for picking it up. Uh, but it does feel like in recent seasons in Scotland, there's always one team who goes on just this slide that seems to just be happening under the radar for a while. And then it turns into an absolute catastrophe. And right now, the club who's in that particular trajectory is us. <laughs> nah. Be all right. Yeah, it'll be fine. We got a game just in wait. hand on hearts. Win that, we're right back in it. <laughs> just waiting on the <laughs> just waiting on the SPFL announcing a new set of stadium criteria for uh to to avoid a playoff, which would be lovely. Yeah. That's how you know when you're a big team. You know when you're a big team when the rules well, they basically get have to rewrite yeah. the rules. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, final thoughts on what was another absolutely just dire, miserable weekend of dandy watching. Um, yeah. Are we doing the whole Jerry Springer and Graeme Steele and then for my final thought things? That could be a regular <laughs> well, picture. Let, let's do it. Let's go for it. Come on, right, Graeme. Graeme, now for your final thoughts. Take, take your seat. Oh, on the spot. I'm not prepared for this. Um, not only was it pish, it was really pish. And it's really, really, <laughs> really alarming that you have... Goals being conceded like that, the second one in particular, would be hilarious if it wasn't the team that I support. And then you have your part-time interim, whatever you want to call them, manager, basically just throwing people under the bus. Now, that tactic might work, but my final thought is that it won't. Here we go, it's a bold prediction. I, I did not know that our analysts if they're still there, whoever the new guy is, we're having cameras on fives at Nelson Street and watching teams made up of Gary, your brother Alistair and Dale and Woods and thinking to myself, that's how we defend. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all I see with that second goal. Sorry, well, but all I will say is they, we had people in the box. A team with Gary, my brother, Dale and Woods, wouldn't have had people back there. Very harsh. <laughs> very hard <laughs> about Dale and about Woods <laughs> anyway on that note let's move on shall we thank you in fact before we move on let's have a quick look at some of the some voice notes from that we received this week maybe won't we maybe won't have time to comment through them all but we can at least have a good old listen to see what people have thrown into the mix this week it's always good to see what the rest of the ABZFP solar system have to say allows Graham just to chug down a pint as well while we're waiting, which is always good banter as well. So let's have a wee look and see who we have here. Uh, let's start with uh, Lynn Park. Um, going on today's result, disappointed, not surprised. Every week we're saying it's a must-win match. We need the three points. <laughs> it's never happening. Um, the fact we've not won a single league match since early January is just awful. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know where we go from here. I really don't. I'm I'm actually dreading County. the upcoming matches and fixtures that we've got. I I just dread to think what's going to happen. It's just not good enough. Other than the lack of swearing, I totally agree with that. Is um, Lynn Park think... not Alan Partridge's assistant? Uh, <laughs> so we've got celebrities leaving his voice notes. Uh, I would agree with all of that. Um, every week we chat amongst ourselves and ah, but it's okay it's only so and so or we've got a better team than them uh, and every week goes past and we don't get the three points so totally agree not only is it frustrating 
it was frustrating a few weeks ago when it looked like we were blowing our chance of actually salvaging the season from a third, fourth point of view. Oh, remember it's those now, remember those days. <laughs> yeah, had long Halcyon. It's now worrying when you are looking over your shoulder and that actually is genuinely a serious concern. When it came to my attention off the back of the old Stand 3 appearance, which, by the way, Stand 3, good name, wish we came up with that, um, that I was being perhaps a little bit overly negative about our situation, I had a little think about this, and... No, I'm not. Fuck you. Discounting the Cups, because we played a few lower league teams and Hibs, so I don't really think they should count. In the league and in Europe, we have won seven games out of 34. What are you complaining about, Gav? We all... We all have to, on average, roughly wait five games for a win. Well, that's good. That means we're due on this week. Putting on the Sainties. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's fair. Um, let's see what Bob Moore. I think this is Bob as well, who's Beef Olive's fame, I think. Did he not captain for England back in the day? Sorry, what? Bobby Moore. Bobby Moore. I don't think it's the same Bobby Moore. It'd be quite a miracle, I think, if it was. <laughs> oh, that's from beyond the... Is Bobby Moore dead? Yes, yeah. Oh, like this from beyond the grave. <laughs> Just to weigh in about Aberdeen. <laughs> he's used up his he's used up his afterlife tokens for this. And well, also, here we go. And also to admit neither of those goals should have counted. <laughs> so six wins in twenty-six, more than fifty days gone without a league win. It's just fucking embarrassing. Because Everyone could say, "Oh, oh, oh, Neil Hornet, oh Neil, your your mind games, yeah, we're the underdogs against Killy. Yes, we are, because Killy are somehow fucking better than us. The only saving grace is they'll go into Europe and get fucking humbled, which will be hilarious. But what's even funnier is us and our form under whatever fucking agenda there is just now. It's just embarrassing. It's so embarrassing to be sitting." In the bottom of the table, after what we did last season, after coming back from the horrors of Goodwin to fucking Lord and Saviour Barry Robson, oh wait. <laughs> it's just, it's beyond a joke at this point. And Neil Warnock fucking off down to England to, for the fucking, for a fucking week or whatever, however long he was away, a few days, not a week, sorry, to just, we had a week to prepare for this. And Where's the manager? He's fucked off home. How is that helpful? <laughs> I mean, Alan Burrows, Dave Cormack, if you explain that one for us. Jamie's back. Bobby Soggy's Biscuit. This is a slightly shorter one than he usually leaves us. Fucking shite. Fair. Jamie Smith. I don't think it's that Jamie Smith. If it is, love that thing. It's Copenhagen. We'll, we'll know if he clutches a hamstring halfway through it. You're on the point of frustration now. It's beyond the point of anger. It's just a bit sad, really, now. It goes beyond the players, it goes beyond the manager. And as glaringly obvious as, as, glaringly obvious as it is, do we really have any confidence that this is going to get stopped before it's too late? I don't think so. Dog shit. I don't think anyone expected that this would be the season that everyone got riled to fuck. Like, you know, Glass obviously didn't work out. Goodwin, a promising start once we got to go into the season and then just degenerated into the height of nonsense with the Edinburgh games and Darville and then you know, what <laughs> Robson did. I mean, this is the funny thing about it that we keep talking about the transfer windows. The one transfer window where we did address the problems and got <laughs> some help good. in. Yeah, it was Goodwin's. 
lo and behold, it all fucking worked out. So the the the, the lesson had in theory been learned, but then fast forward and we bring in, you know, a certain Matilda, which we've got a fucking abundance of, and don't do anything else. Oh no, we don't no, don't worry, we'll bring a 34-year-old junior hoylet in February. That'll fix things. Jesus. Gav. It's not that deep. It's James Law. Good evening, gents. Evening. So that's uh, Warnock's first five games in, and I'd say there's been little to no improvement. You beat Bonnie Rig, thank you. Against Bonnie Rig Rose. And today's performance was diabolical. Mioski's off the boil after Warnock telling us he's going to make him a better striker. And that's surely backfired. I think he's starting to lose address of him personally with uh, some of his comments post-match and interesting to see that Leighton Clarkson on the bench today and not even coming on as a substitute. Thoughts? Cheers, guys. I guess we've probably spoken about a lot of that already so far. It's always good, though, just to get various different people's uh, views chucked in to the mix. So it's not just an echo chamber of us. Being negative fuckers as always. Um, will that do us, I think, from, for talking about Saturday against Kilmarnock? Christ, that's depressing. Yes, please. Okay, I'm okay. sizing up my window, but it's too small. I can't fit out of it. I can't throw <laughs> myself out of it. So, Okay. But yeah, let's move this on. If every podcast could be an alternative for exit music for a film by Radiohead. <laughs> yeah. I just, in fact, I want to see how desperate Graham gets that he does try to get out of that window. I just don't think it's going to happen. I'll get stuck halfway. <laughs> and I'll be even more annoyed <laughs> <laughs> and cold and wet probably by looks of things right let's move on let's move on um, on to Lone Watch Kieran Nguyenia an unused sub in Park Thistle's 3-1 defeat to the Furman Athletic in the Championship on Friday night uh, Alfie Babbage back to Kelty after his exploits with the Scotland under-19s played the full 90 minutes as 10-man Kelty were beaten by a goal to nil at home by Falkirk in League One. Finley Marshall, 78 minutes under his belt this week as Edinburgh City were beating 4-0 at Stirling Albion. <clears throat> Dylan Lobbin, an unused sub as Forfer, drew 1-1 with East Fife. Uh, so the big dick experience. Not a pleasant one for Dylan Lobbin this week round. Alfie Stewart at Peterhead. No game for Alfie as he was suspended after being sent off midweek against Bonnie Rig Rose. Aaron Reid and Adam Emsley for Martin United. Starts for both of them. As for Martin, hosted Lossiemouth Emsley in netting the crucial equaliser for for Martin as they drew 2-2 at Pitt Medan. Finlay Murray, Finlay Murray, Finlay Murray, no game for him for Tura. That's what I was trying to get out there. Uh, their game against Devon Vale was off due to a waterlogged pitch. And Graham, have you been putting a word in? Couldn't possibly comment. Bucky, finally getting around to publicising their team lines in time for us to record. Tom Ritchie starting. No place again for Kevin Hanratty as Bucky's title hopes took an absolute beating with a last-minute winner for Clack, seeing Bucky lose 3-2 at home in the Highland League. So you win some, you lose some. Pete's old Graham, is that your wee team throwing it a little bit earlier than last season? Well, it sounds like it. Fucking hell. You two are awfully salty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just salty because my pick in the syndicate got thumped 6-1 yesterday. That's what's happening here. did fucked us up. I had the Scott brothers... Fucking up bets since, well, whenever you started. Uh, hang on, how did your pick yesterday go? That's irrelevant. Okay, right, let's move on. Uh, Brendan Hamilton 
played the full 90 minutes as they fought out a 2-2 draw with Brora Rangers in the Highland League. Blair McKenzie, who joined Huntley this week on loan after having been recalled from his uh, loan spell at Elgin City early in the season. He went straight into the starting lineup, played the full 90 minutes as Huntley thrashed Strath Spay Thistle by seven goals to nil. Jaden Richardson hooked after 64 minutes with a fought mob score of 4.8 out of 10 as Colchester drew 1-1 with Sutton United in League 2. Uh, that doesn't sound like it's went too well there for, for young Jaden. But remember, still our player, still has a solid 18 months left in his deal as well. So coming to a right wing back slot near you next season. Hey, hey, hey. the Scottish <clears throat> Championship's not going to know what hits it. Um, Don't even make those jokes. Does anyone want to guess who didn't play for MK Dons this week? Uh, Anthony Stewart. <laughs> no, Anthony Stewart. That's there. right, Graham. Well done. <laughs> he didn't play for them and didn't feature in the squad again. Is he, he's got to be. Dead? I don't know. No injured, idea. Presumably. He must be injured. Has to be, surely. They must be. So did they not like get like a defender sent off or once someone went off injured last season? Like they should be like threadbare if he's uh, available. But uh, yeah, he must be injured. Or they've just watched him once and thought, nah. But this is what is quite... Did we talk about this on the show once before or did I talk about somebody else the other week? As career decisions go for a football player, do you think any are as bad as Anthony Stewart? Yeah, I brought that up. Did you bring last that up week last or two week? weeks ago? Yeah. Okay. Okay. We don't need to go back down that. There's line probably yet. one or two out there, but I think it's pretty cataclysmic <clears throat> what's happened to him here. Speaking of which, um, what about Jet getting a Kidderman? Was it Kidderminster Harriers? Kidderminster Harriers. Yeah. They must have a sweet basketball league in the Kidderminster area, <laughs> or some fucking killer dealers. One of the two. Um, Allegedly. Do we need to put an allegedly in front of that? Gavin and I will. Just to be safe. You can. I think that's going to stand up in court. I think that I think that'll stand up in the same way as calling Lawrence Falk to racist. I no, think Gavin and right. I disagree. So Gary's okay. personal opinion is that it'll stand up in court. Jay, we make no <laughs> aspersions on your character. That is just purely an opinion of Gary Scott. But I do agree there must be a basketball league there. How is he still getting game? Like <laughs> that's the actual thing. paid gigs. <laughs> I don't know. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> I'm um, really disappointed he didn't rock up at Inverness Cali Thistle. I think him and Duncan Ferris would have been like a, a, a sitcom couple made in heaven. <laughs> uh, and then um, Vinny Bajowin, he plays 74 minutes this week as Emin beat Camboer by two goals to nil in the Dutch first division. Well, come on. How did uh, Papi get on in his first week in Norway? The, the Norwegian season's not back yet. So. I know, but let's have some updates how he's getting on in pre-season. Smashed Black Jack. I was about to say, what did he win at the tables? <laughs> not much. But honestly, <laughs> there's not actually. like If there's if there's more truth than, the, than lies in that article, that is a pretty poor way to treat an individual. <laughs> and then from a business point of view, an investment. It, it probably isn't, but I reckon that this is one of these situations as well where there has to be a level of balance put in it, given that I've yep. I, given I've seen photographic evidence of the fact he was in a student's flat last Saturday, munching down on a fucking kebab. Well, you do like your euphemisms. That was not one of those. So I think there is definitely an element of truth about the fact that we probably owe maybe a better duty of care to players who move here, unquestionably. I think Gav, you touched on the stand three piece as well about the fact that with. With the likes of Brexit, etc., that maybe makes it more difficult for players when they come over here, maybe to bring their family and stuff over at the same time. We saw it as a problem when Ilva Ramadani was here. Um, Papi Habib Gay is 
indicating that that's an issue for him as well, although perhaps some of his behaviours wouldn't necessarily lead you to that conclusion. But at the same time as a player as well, you've got to have a level of personal responsibility about it as well, because we didn't hear stories about Ilba Ramadani hitting the casino. That's because you'd have covered them up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the thing, the things I've covered for that lad. That's because he was going in Vurri for his dinner every night. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about his dream of playing Whether he liked it or not. Talk about his dream of playing for Inter Milan. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, um, so I, I suspect the truth is probably somewhere in the middle on that one. Would I, would, my... I would tend to think that with the most recent, two most recent interviews in the Evening Express from, uh, well, ex strikers, yeah, pinches of salt should be taken with uh, with both of them. Who was the other ex striker? Our favourite, our number 99. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, less said about that one, the better, I think, for just now. Um, let's move on. On to the young team. An impressive return for the young team to cast under-18 action this week. A sparkling 5-1 win at Hamilton on Friday night. A hat-trick for Fletcher Boyd. Double for Fraser Mackey, seeing us through comfortably. Four assists in that game as well for Cammy Wilson. So maybe Neil just maybe just give the young lads a go. Worked for Liverpool this afternoon. I mean, I, I love how their kids include £75 million Virgil van Dijk, Andy Robertson, Kanate, Diaz, and one or two others who are big name signings. But I do notice they've got this new young lad, Connor Bradley, at right back, who looks like he's going to be the next big thing. Yeah. So uh, probably kiss goodbye to those Calvin Ramsey add-ons. I think so. Calvin struggling to get off the bench for Bolton just now. So yes, indeed. Um, well, do this for the first half. It's been a long old first half. It's been like watching Neil Warnock against Motherwell. I thought it was going to be a quick snappy one as well, but hey, there we go. Join us after the break. We'll preview the doubleheader of fixtures this week where St. Johnson travel north on Wednesday evening and then we travel to Paisley next weekend. Looking for the best donuts in the northeast of Scotland? Look no further than Dough & Co. Made fresh every day and topped right in front of you at their 40-seater cafe on Belmont Street in the heart of Aberdeen. They make the perfect gift or the perfect pre-match stop-off with a full selection of bagels and hot and cold drinks. If you're listening from home, why not place your order for one of their Dough & Co. stops? There are over 28 drop-off locations across the region delivering through the northeast on a weekly basis follow at your donut shop across socials to stay up to date come on you reds Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Um, as always, if you want to hit us up with uh, beers and coffees, then head over to the ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast account. It is absolutely much appreciated. Uh, gents, another double header of fixtures this week to look forward to. Is look forward the right way to approach it? Nope. nope. Endure. Nope. Suffer. Grin and bear. I won't be grinning. You say that. When St. Johnson have put home their third goal in the opening 25 minutes, you'll be grinning. Grin and Theo Bear. Oh, oh, like it, Gav. Good. Um, Fast let's forward on. six months, lads. <laughs> He's the next Curtis Main. <laughs> it's funny because it's it's funny because it's true. <laughs> I think Curtis Main would have done a job against Beans Park. 
Um, where are we? St. Johnston. That's right, St. Johnston. A third meeting of the campaign between the sides coming up. A drab AF. 0-0 draw at Pataudry early in the campaign. Is there anything but a drab game with St. Johnston? Not that I can recall, really. No. Followed up by a drab AF 1-1 draw in Perth that the Dons were, let's say, fortunate to get away with a point in, uh, thanks to VAR in that one. St. Johnston coming into this game in hugely inspiring form themselves, just one win in their last 11 games, four defeats on the spin, the latest of those a 2-0 defeat at St. Mirren at the weekend. Despite their poor form, they are only three points off ourselves in eighth, which perhaps says absolutely everything about how disastrous our season has been. Um, besides facing each other 75 times at Pataudry in the league, the Dons winning 35 of them, 23 draws, 17 wins for the visitors. Saints with the second worst away record in the league as we stand. Only one win from 13 games away from Perth. Only Livingston have got a worse record so far. Saints have also only scored four goals away from home so far this season. So, Gav, I know when you were the other day, we were like, oh, like hats off, doff your cap to those Aberdeen fans travelling to Kilmarnock. What do you have to say to the Johnston travelling support? They've seen four goals this season. Um, Guys, I entirely sympathise with your plight. I watched Stevie Bay for two years and I know how bad it is. But Livingston had not scored a goal in about three years before the Kent Pataudry, so your time is coming soon. <laughs> this is it. I mean, like, my, my wife knows very little about football, but just absolutely creased laughing about that stat for St. Johnston. So says everything you need to know. Um, <clears throat> Saints' top goal scorer this season so far is Nicky Clark. He's got four. <laughs> Considering he's only played 559 minutes of football this season, kind of tells you everything you need to know about Saints' problems. With 17 goals... To their name all season, they are the lowest scoring team in the division. I saw quite an interesting, if anyone out there uses Fought Mob for their live scores thing, I don't know who, uh, Graham, you use it, I think, don't you, or Gav does, one of you two uses it. I use it. I'm there still is, I'm still retro, use live score. You're still, yeah, you go let, there is, a, this is quite an interesting thing to look at, I think it's interesting anyway, I'm probably completely wrong about it. Um, I, I think it only exists on the desktop version of Fought mob but if you go to the premiership table they have an xg table so it's designed to show you you know if teams just converted the chances that they had and maybe didn't concede you know if they had better goalkeepers than they currently have what would happen livingston would be sitting in sixth spot in the table off the back of it apparently which is kind of interesting and um, we would be still sitting in eighth so we're basically performing exactly as expected um Anyway. Can I ask a serious question on FOTMOB? Because I asked you and you didn't know the answer. Oh, so if anyone know. listening uses FOTMOB, yeah, yeah. does anyone know how to get rid of leagues? Because mine's cluttered with stuff like the fucking Indian Premier League. I don't care. I occasionally bet on it if I'm bored, but I don't care. But I don't know how to get rid of them from my screen. Presumably, so anyone... Why is, is FOTMOB carrying cricket? <laughs> it's got everything. And they keep adding stuff in. And it's leagues I'm not interested in because I don't need any distractions to put... Some... <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I'm not that. supposed to be. So, if anyone knows how to actually just clean up my screen to just show the leagues I want, not reorder them, but actually just have the leagues that I want, I will be forever in your debt. I love the idea of Graham just, you know, wondering what how the fuck the Delhi Daredevils can be <laughs> like 233 for four in a football game. Just because they've got jet. <laughs> Anywho, where were we? <clears throat> St. Johnston. 37 goals conceded so far this season. Um, that's mainly thanks to Dimitar Mitov. Saints with 23 goals, 
when I say thanks to him, I don't mean the fact they've conceded 37. I mean, they've not conceded more than that. Uh, Saints with 23 goals conceded from an open play XGA of 27.24. Six conceded from set pieces against a set piece XGA of 10.09. Shows a goalkeeper who is definitely outperforming himself. Indeed, with nine goals prevented, he tops out the league on that metric. He's also faced the greatest number of shots of anybody in the top flight, 120. Uh, next up in the league is Kel Roos on 116. And amazingly, Kel Roos has let 115 of them go past him. So it's uh, great stuff. Um, <laughs> I, when, I they, when they say prevented nine goals, yeah, like surely if like you're a goalkeeper and you just like the ball hits you in the head, yeah, prevented a goal. Like, yes. so are, is that not kind of like saying he's made nine saves all season? No, no, it's 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 the expected goals against versus how many you actually concede. But that's not what it says. It says nine goals prevented. Yeah, so like no, but when any, you do, any time, when you, anytime he receives a pass back that's within the like sticks, <laughs> he's prevented a goal, hasn't he? Theoretically, I would say yes, Gavin. Yes, <laughs> just pointing out there. Nonsense. <laughs> you've, you've turned on. You've gone all Sam Allardyce again on us. Alex, um, <clears throat> let's be honest. We know exactly what we're going to get on Wednesday night. It's St. Johnston, who are managed by Craig Levine. So it's going to be 3-5-2. Robinson and Galka's wing backs. Graham Carey will try to join the attacks. St. Johnston will probably not score. The big question is, <laughs> that's will a, we? That's a big statement to make. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> um, so, there we go. That's fun. Thoughts, predictions for, for Wednesday night? I mean... Talk about a game in the Premiership where people are going to look at it, especially if it's a midweek, and just be like, nah, you know what? Probably give that one a skip. Um, I did observe at the weekend that Michael Stewart's reignited his rivalry with Craig Levine in a pretty public manner. You say that as though it ever went away. And Levine, Levine tends to get one over on Michael Stewart when things go like this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't have a lot of hope here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Graham's like playing like a computer game right now. I'm watching Real Madrid and Sevilla. Uh -huh. Um but my bet's not doing particularly well, so you guys just keep going. Ramos red card. I had him on to be booked, and you won't believe this. We are sixty-three minutes through the game and he hasn't been booked yet. And I need both teams to score. Of course he won't be booked. He's he's playing against his big team. He'll but, just be Ramos is incapable of not getting booked. Looks like he's playing. Looks like he's playing well, based on the stats. Anyway, um, Graham, Gav, thoughts about Wednesday night? Do you care? Oh, you obviously <laughs> about as much as Neil Warnock. Obviously, you care, but I can't. See as he's anything. managing it remotely from Devon because <laughs> <laughs> he got his weeks mixed up. <laughs> so he's like watching the game on the VAR monitor. <laughs> it would be amazing I can't see anything other than a pretty gross game and I'm going to remain optimistic that Aberdeen will sneak it by a margin of a sclaffed 1-0 I think who's due who's due a goal Kelrus with a long punt up the pitch remarkably keeps it within the confines of the lines and it bounces over Gary's favourite goalkeeper and then Aberdeen won St Johnston no catches the wind as he slices it over the main stand yes <laughs> and like yes. a boomerang returns <laughs> <laughs> if it was a boomerang it would 
end up being an own goal, wouldn't it? Yeah, which would be about one. most typically <laughs> Kelly's thing to happen. To be fair, that's a bad metaphor. Uh, I am going to agree with Graham. Uh, scrappy as fuck. Who won victory? So we won't keep a clean sheet. I can't believe I'm about to ask this. If we were to win on um, no Wednesday night, yes, and we'll finish on, third. No, no, no. <laughs> and on the proviso, I'm not going that wild. <laughs> on the proviso that St Mirren beat Ross County on Tuesday night. No, we're not safe. No, would you be at that point comfortable? Look at the absolute nick we're in. How can you say <laughs> we win a well, game, someone loses a game, and that's that's it? Because if that came to pass, we would be eight we'd points. be eight points clear. Oh, you're right. You're right. Then you'd then be six clear of St. John's. We'll give Neil a bit more time at home. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. So on that basis, then we win on Wednesday night, which seems to be the general consensus. St. Mirren win at Dingwall. That would mean going into the game then on Saturday that uh, we travel to, to Paisley. What is one of our least favoured grounds in the league? Um, it's fair to say. No wins in the league at the Smyza. Since December 2018, which is incredibly depressing. That's six years, for fuck's sake. Since then, it's been seven games played, four defeats, three draws. Uh, obviously, our last visit, ending in what can only be described as controversial circumstances, a 2-2 draw thanks to Boyamiowski's penalty at the death that may or may not have hit the Macedonian striker twice when he put it away. Um, as we just touched on there, at the time we were recording now, uh, the Paisley Saints had just beaten the Perth Saints by two goals to nil to consolidate their place in fifth they're 11 points clear of us at this moment in time so they play Ross County as I just touched on another one in Dingwall in midweek depending on results they could be either 14 points clear of us or just eight is the swing you could be looking at here a 3-0 win for Saints in the return fixture at Pataudry on the 30th of December I think that was the one that most people probably thought Robinson should have got his jotters off Jotters afterwards from, but um, of course we decided to wait at least a whole another calendar month before we did anything about that. Saints certainly been pretty streaky so far this season. They'll be hoping that that two 0 win over St Johnson sparks them on another run towards the back of the campaign. Top goal scorer is Mikael Mandron on six. He got one at the weekend. Scott Tanzer is their most creative outlet with four assists as well. 31 goals in 27 games. That is in the lower reaches of the table. An average of 1.1 goals per match, which is eighth in the league. Defensively, though, they're solid enough. 30 goals conceded, so that's 1.1 as well per game, which is the fifth best record. And who'd have thunk it? The teams with the best records defensively in the table currently occupy the top positions in the table. Funny how that works. It's almost as if there's some sort of magic formula to how you actually are not bad at football. Anyway. Um, Similarly to Kilmarnock, a lot of their success comes from getting the ball into wide areas, throwing balls into the box. They are the fourth mo- most successful side in the league at doing that. Robinson favouring a 3-4-3 to try and allow that, not giving away too many clear-cut chances to the opposition either. They've got an expected goals against in open play of 22.86. That's the fifth best record in the table. And even then, goalkeeper Zach Hemmings performing pretty well as well. He's prevented 3.7 goals this season by virtue of being in goals as Gavin has quite rightly pointed out earlier on. Um, if there's maybe one place you can look to hurt St. Mirren, it might be set pieces. Expect the goals against 7.03. That's the third lowest in the league, but they've conceded nine goals from set plays, which is the third worst record in the league. So not performing too hotly when it comes to set pieces. And of course, it's just good. We're really good at those areas. 
Um, but maybe that's an area that we could be thinking about trying to exploit. Very good pressing side. They've won the ball, the ball back 185 times from the opposition in high areas. That's classified as being within 40 metres of the opposition goal. Only Celtic and Rangers have done better in that area. Um, and we'll take a guess who's bottom of the table on, on that. Impressing. Impressing. Or winning um, high turnovers. Winning high turnovers. I mean, I feel like we're shit. So I'm going to say us. You're right. It's us. 12th out of 12 we are in this one. We've only had 135 of them so far this season. So um, there we go. I, 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 I can't imagine us being caught with the ball too close to our goal should be a massive problem under Warnock because obviously he does have a very, if in doubt, kick it out mantra. Um, I did I did enjoy last week his thing about, I always say to the players, they can't score from the stand. And then I'm like, have you seen the way we defend long throws? <laughs> also, you say that, but I mean, it depends how Kelsch decides to deploy his weapons. <laughs> exactly. And he does have weapons. He is a weapon. <laughs> um... So yeah, I, tough game at St Mirren coming up. It's not a venue we do very well at, certainly not in recent years, it's fair to say. Um, they're going nay bad so far this season, a bit streaky like we said earlier on. It's always a little bit different. It's difficult to talk about these um, games when you have a midweeker to come up, but frankly, if our team can't be better turning up uh, most weeks, then why should we bother with another midweek show? So... Just thoughts about next Saturday. Uh, what I fully expect to happen is that I think Samir will take a defeat. We'll take an L in Dingwall. Ooh. The rejuvenated lone wolf will continue his goal-scoring streak. Uh, got two at the weekend. So he's back and uh, he's just getting himself ready in form for the Euros. <laughs> yeah, back as T-Fark's thoughts, obviously, there. And, Eamon uh, Brophy on the plane instead of Lauren Shanklin for absolute And um, then, uh, I, I mean, Sitman and they feel like a, a pretty imperfect side for us to be going up against given what we've just seen against uh, Kilmarnock because I think they've got a very similar setup. Uh, you talk about nasty bastards. I mean, Gogic is a pretty big one for me in the Scottish Premiership. Bacchus, you know, O'Hara, those kind of players will be competitive in the midfield and then they've got, you know, some big physical players with a little bit of pace up front like Ayunga and, and Mandron. Uh, there's maybe one or two others I can't immediately think of now. So, um, Difficult, difficult, lemon difficult. Yeah, I think with a, like you say, a record down there is poor and we're not playing particularly well. I don't really see how we're going to get anything out of that game, to be perfectly honest. It just, I know it's really defeatist, but it just feels really unlikely at this point in time. When you see Stephen Robinson, like the manager, getting involved with the fans the way he did against Livingston, I thought, they were in worse shape than they actually are. But I do <laughs> I see that in February, they've picked up, what, three wins out of four? So beat Hibs away from home, beat Dundee at home, lost to Livy, disappointing, obviously, but then recovered with a 2-0 win at home to St. Johnston. So, yeah, they're in good form on top of uh, the problems we have facing sides like this. So, um, yeah, like, like them, I'm not uh, full of confidence. I think it genuinely would be quite a surprise result if we were to get the three points Ugh. out of that game. It shouldn't be that case, but that's how it's so it's, it's so horrible, isn't it? When you're like, you know, I saw a lot of people like seriously like, wigging out about when Warnock said that he thought we were underdogs as Kelly, and I was like, he's kind of right. And I was like, oh, it's mind games. I was like, even if it is, he's right. Like at this moment in time, yeah. You look at the seasons the clubs are having. I wouldn't have been putting money on us. Well, maybe I would have with my track record. <laughs> <laughs> 
It would have been a better shout than steady. <laughs> <laughs> Closer shout. Uh, nah, there we go. Uh, I, I'm going to go with a draw down the road next week. And yeah, the season will just continues to amble onwards towards its inevitable conclusion. Uh, uh, oh, well, given the flack I got for being far too negative last week, I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be a 5 0 Labrine win. Oh, God. There we go. Love it. What, well, Deuce? A long one. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Indeed. Absolutely. Right. That'll do us. Thanks for listening. We will be back for episode 159 of the show. We'll bring you our thoughts on probably just the St. Mary game because by that point, the St. Johnson game will be old news. And we will look ahead to what is basically our season defining slash season ending Scottish Cup quarterfinal tie with Kilmarnock on Saturday, the 9th of March. And then we travel to Dundee on Wednesday, the 13th. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!